sermon podcast of Dan Roschke, pastor of Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information about Bethlehem, visit our website at blclife.org. But now, here's Pastor Dan and his sermon for today. Grace to us and peace from Jesus Christ. Amen. How would you tell this story to children? (laughs) Maybe somebody asked Charles Dickens that question one time. Friends, we need to be careful not to explain away this story, not to round out the edges to soften it. Let this text about the rich man and Lazarus sting a little bit, siblings in Christ. Let it bite. Say ouch or grimace like you do when you get a booster shot. Oh, Jesus is speaking in no unclear terms here, right? Jesus tells this story after a series of parables, and that's important to remember here. After the parables of the lost coins, the lost sheep, the lost sons, after the story last week we had about the dishonest manager, now this story. So remember, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who are convinced that they can coast into the bosom of Abraham with very little humility, with very little mercy, very little generosity. That's the capital for Jesus. Humility, mercy, generosity, not wealth, prestige, power. So just to drive the point home, he tells them this vivid parable about the rich man and Lazarus. And isn't Jesus a master of storytelling, setting up these graphic contrasts? Purple linens could only be afforded by the extremely wealthy. And he feasted sumptuously, the text says, every day. Every day he feasted sumptuously. Again, only a minute percentage could eat like that. And the Pharisees would have been right with him. Uh, I mean, the rich man. Like, good for him. I know that guy. By the way, there's a website called How Rich Am I? where you can see how rich you are compared to the rest of the world. There's a lot of sites like this. This is just one. Did you know that a person who brings home $80,000 a year is in the top 4.8% of the richest people in the world. You are richer if you bring that much home. You are richer than 95.2% of the world. In one hour, you make $40 as compared to someone in, say, Ghana, who makes eight cents for the same hour of work. And if your household income is $180,000, top 1%, your income would still be more than is more than 23.6 times the global median. (laughs) I'm sure you could probably find better statistics. Um, That site was last updated in 2019, but you get the idea. So Jesus introduces this rich man, feasting sumptuously, just enjoying life, living well, making $80,000 a year, let's just say. And then he contrasts that man, clothed in nice stuff, with the man clothed in sores, hungry, at his gate. 
day in, day out, more like a fly than a human being, an eyesore for the rich man and all his friends. Sorry about him, the rich man might have said, when the Pharisees would come over for lunch. Sorry about this guy. Hey, get out of here, you old beggar, shoe fly. Don't bother me. Jesus goes on with the story, but before he does, he gives the poor man a name. Lazarus. Scholars note that in all of Jesus' stories and parables, he never gives his characters names. I mean, think about it. There's a father with two lost sons. There's a widow. There's shepherds. There's managers. There's stories about servants. Jesus never gives any of them names, but Jesus names the poor man today, Lazarus, which we know from the Greek means God helps Lazarus would have gladly, the text says, eaten the nasty scraps left over. The picked over plates that go back to the dishwasher after we've had our fill or just don't feel like eating anything this evening. Lazarus gets so little handed to him in this earthly life. Maybe he annoyed the rich man a few times and in that way got some attention, but it wasn't positive. For the most part, Lazarus was just invisible. Know anybody like that? Lazarus, I mean? Probably not, because the Lazaruses of this world are, the, are those we don't even see. We can't even call to mind, much less name, when it's time to pray. But God knows every one of their names. Maybe a little exercise. Try learning a new name this week. Just learn one new name this week, maybe more. God calls the Lazaruses of this world by name and draws them close. They will rest at the last in the bosom of Abraham. And woe to the ones who do not care for them. These are Jesus' words. This stings if we choose to see and hear it. It's interesting too. It seems to me pretty wonderful news that all those who are poor, who are sick, who are invisible to this world, billions of people, in fact, will be drawn into God's loving, safe, protective arms at the end of this earthly day. That seems something to celebrate. And just stop there. God names those who have no inherited wealth, no Pension plans, those without clean water, no access to healthy and affordable food or education or health care or security. And God draws them into the bosom of Abraham. This is our God. But given those statistics about who's rich and who's poor, I don't know about you, but I find myself hearing this text and still not giving thanks for the salvation of literally billions of Lazaruses today. Still worried about me. Still. I hear these statistics, and rather than being grateful for their salvation, I'm getting more concerned about what this means for me. What about that poor rich man? What about me? What about all those people I know and love who have lots of money? Isn't it interesting? That the world's poor billions of people literally are going to be gathered into God's arms 
and still I can't be grateful for God's glory, love, power, humility, mercy, and compassion. This is a tough one today. Deep into our after Pentecost journey, 16 Sundays deep after Pentecost, Lazarus is carried up, the rich man is buried down, and from the flames of Hades, he cries out. And by the way, we get a lot, pretty much all, of our imagery of hell from a literary masterpiece from the 14th century in Florence, Italy. You know what I'm talking about. Dante's Inferno. Interesting study. This is not the word hell that we're talking about here. It, the word hell doesn't appear uh, in, the, in the Greek in today's text. The word is Hades. It is Hades. Hell is translated, it's the translated word in other places. It's the word in Greek, Gehenna. And Gehenna was a, was a geographical place. It was the heap of trash outside of the walls of Jerusalem, down in this really kind of gross valley. And that was always burning because it was constantly, endlessly, eternally fueled with trash. And so everybody knew when Jesus used the word Gehenna, which we translate in English as hell in the Bible, that's what he was talking about. But Hades was something different. Hades was the third and bottom tier that the people of Jesus' time believed in, um, it was from Hellenistic influences as well as ancient Jewish influences. There was, there was earth, there was heaven, and there was Hades. It was just a common understanding. People knew the reference. Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom, and the rich man is being endlessly tormented in Hades. And the flames, this is too much word study than you probably wanted, but the flames of Hades, Hades was really a cold, dark place, but there were multiple rivers in Hades, and one of them was a river of flames. And so that's the reference here. Anyway, <laughs> where's the hope in this passage? If one has some wealth, arguably every one of us, where's the hope in this passage? Friends, this is a lesson for the Pharisees who just weren't understanding mercy and compassion, the mercy and compassion of God that is for the last, the least, and the lost. And so Jesus is really driving it home after the series of parables. As my New Testament professor, Audrey West, says, God just keeps sending the message that there's a better way. I like that. The hope is that we get to listen in here. We get to eavesdrop on Jesus driving home the point again, and we get to learn from it. How is the Holy Spirit working in us as we don't skip over the story, as we let it sting a little or a lot? How is the Holy Spirit working on us as we see and hear this before passing the peace in a moment before putting our pledges, our tithes, our offerings in the plate that goes around, before sharing the holy meal, singing a few more hymns, and then going home to have another sumptuous lunch. I've said before, beware of the gospel of Luke. It could change your life. How is God working on us, on you to be the people, the community of faithful followers in this day, in this part of the world. 
The Spirit is stirring, unsettling, untying our hands, unlocking our treasure chests. Someone has been raised from the dead, and so now everything is different. We are blessed, and we are sent, and we can now see those in need at our gates. And it's not just about tossing a coin now and then, or even a couple bucks. It's about our whole attitude toward those who are different than ourselves. All difference. Not just rich, poor. All difference. One scholar, Cynthia Molobita, another one of my favorites, She calls it our fundamental neighborliness. She says our fundamental neighborliness is the barometer of the soul. Do you see people when you pass them by? All people. God is with us now. Let me be clear. We have a loving God. There is more time to grow regardless of our age. God is a loving parent here sitting and watching as we learn a new lesson. I think of parents lovingly observing their children putting a new concept together, or in this case, an ancient concept back together. A holy parent just sits and watches us and smiles. Holy Spirit is here, let me be clear, moving in this place, reaching into our hearts, our souls, and rejuvenating, rebooting our fundamental neighborliness for Christian living and speaking to one another and caring for the least, the lost, and the Lazarus. God's grace abounds, friends of Jesus, and we are the vessels of of that grace and compassion. Let us give thanks as we eat the body and blood of Christ, as we learn, as we re-envision, as we share our love, our welcome, and our wealth. Let us give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. at Bethlehem Lutheran Church. Thank you for listening. Check us out again soon. And to learn more about our national church body, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, visit elca.org. Goodbye for now. And remember, God's outpouring of grace and peace never runs dry. Here's to a new day. Evangelical. That was terrible. To learn more about our national church body. Start over, start over. (laughs) Okay. Is that hard? No, not really. Pretty easy? Yeah. You're good at it.